0: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our salvation. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. In William Shakespeare's play, 1590, 1600, something like that, the play Romeo and Juliet, at one point, Juliet asks a question and kind of answers her own question with these words, what's in a name that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? It's a saying that's come down to us the last 400, 500 years. What's in a name? What's in a name? The sense of Juliet's question and her own answer is that a name isn't much. It's a collection of letters. You call something a rose, you may as well call it a tulip or a hyacinth or Something else. What's in a name doesn't mean much. I'm not so sure about that. My sense is that names include a tremendous sense of significance, connection and affirmation and all that. Now, to be fair, there are some names that are shallow, strange, dare we say it, weird. Let me give you some examples. Back in March of 2020, two years ago, just when the whole COVID was, as a pandemic, rolling out internationally, a mother in India gave birth to a set of twins. The parents called one COVID and the other one Corona. (laughs) Go figure. I kind of get that, but why would anybody tag any of their children with names like that Elon Musk is in the news these days right trying to stage a hostile takeover of Twitter Well Elon Musk and his partner were in the news also again about 20 years ago May of 2020 they named their new baby something like XA12 In fact when they first named their baby That A-E thing was a symbol and the state of California said you can't use a symbol as a name, and so they had to put it in Roman letters. For my money, X-H-A-12 is about as weird a name as you can get. Now, there are some names that maybe not what you think they are or even hope that they are. When I was about 15, 16 years old, I decided to find out what my first name meant. My first name's Stuart, and I thought, I knew it came from the highlands of Scotland, so maybe it referred to a strong, mighty chieftain warrior or something. <laughs> yeah, not close, not even close. You see, Stuart is made up of two words, sty and warden. Now, warden is a gatekeeper, and sty refers to a place you keep livestock, like pigs. So apparently, Stuart means pig pen keeper. Hey, thanks, Mom and Dad. That's a name that'll make a teenage boy proud, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Many of us are old enough to remember that great classic from Johnny Cash, right? Remember that one? A Boy Named Sue? Great song. Still is. This morning we come to Mary Magdalene, the first character of the series, The Chosen, and we're going to be hearing more about that over the next four or five weeks. Mary Magdalene, two names that were gifted to one of the premier characters of the early church of the New Testament and now again in the chosen series. The second name isn't so hard to understand, Magdala. It's because she was from Magdala and so they called her Mary, the one from Magdala or Mary Magdalene. Magdala, a very prosperous city up toward the Sea of Galilee Maybe 90 miles or so north of Jerusalem. You see, in the in the time of Jesus, Mary was a common name, I watched an archived documentary about Mary Magdalene from National Geographic about eight days ago, and I learned from one of the presenters of that documentary that at the time of Jesus, as many as 50% of the women in Jesus' day were named either Mary or Mary Salome. Salome, Which means that if you were talking about Mary, and there's, there's six in the Gospels and another one in Pauline's letters, you kind of had to separate them. And so you have Mary of Bethany and Mary of Magdala, Mary the mother of Jesus, and so on. That's the Magdala part. Mary, yeah, there's a little bit more fog about that one. There's no doubt that Mary is based on the Old Testament. Miriam, some of you remember the name of Moses' sister. Miriam might mean beautiful or loved, or it also might refer to the Hebrew word that suggests something bitter, or maybe even it's something like a droplet of the sea, not much to go on there. Having said all that, Names are far more than a sequence of letters, aren't they? Names communicate connection, relationship, affirmation, respect, identity. As Mr. Milendijk said, names are precious. I've I've heard it said, and I think it's true, no matter what language you're speaking, the most precious word in any language is a person's name. Remember the theme song for Cheers? They wanted to invite you to a place where everybody knows your name. At the Academy Awards a month ago, Chris Rock sent, was sent a message by Will Smith about Will Smith's wife's name, right? Smith believed that he was defending not the name, but a person he loved, his wife. What's in a name? What's in a name? Back to Mary. In our gospel lesson this morning, we we, we heard, we read, the last time that Mary Magdalene was mentioned by Luke. Here's what Luke said the first time he mentioned Mary Magdalene. Luke chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus went through the towns and villages proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and many others who provided for them out of their own means. Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Many of you are aware of this in the ancient world, whether your study of ancient history or your study of the New Testament documents. In ancient times, people who were thought to have demons were ostracized. They were marginalized. They were hidden. They were avoided. Many conditions were thought to be associated and connected in some way with sin, that, that in some way, somebody had sin. Maybe it was the individual herself or himself, or maybe it was the person's parent. At some point, there was a sin, and that sin drove the good spirit out of the person, and a bad spirit, a demon, came in. Now, if you had, or were considered to have a, an evil spirit, a demon... Maybe your mom and dad would love you, but even that was not always the case. It was a brutal life, brutal life of isolation and misery. At at some time came Jesus to Mary, and Jesus calls Mary, calls her out of darkness, and calls her into a relationship with him. Mary becomes a Jesus follower. Mary Magdalene. If I had known this in the past, I had forgotten it. But I learned again this past week that Mary was apparently one of a group of very wealthy women, independently wealthy women, maybe widows, maybe not, in the early church, who not only were Jesus followers, but were comfortable to the point that out of their own resources, they financially supported Jesus and the Jesus movement. I did not remember that. Independently wealthy. At some point, as a demon-possessed woman with, with many, many issues, she went from a nobody to a somebody. Healed of seven demons. Now, it could have been seven demons. We can go with that for sure. But it also may mean, as the, as, the, as the word seven, as the number seven does mean in the New Testament, just, just a person with all kinds of issues, seven, seven demons, a whole bucket full, a whole bucket full of demons. She was healed. She was healed. And after her healing, she becomes a Jesus follower. Of all the followers of Jesus, men and women included, Mary Magdalene was the one who was most faithful. When the other people, the other disciples, the other Jesus followers bailed, she stayed. When Jesus was crucified, she was there. When he was buried, Mary Magdalene was there. After Jesus rose from the dead, Mary Magdalene was there, not just as a witness, but as the first of several witnesses. And when Jesus sent out his followers to the rest of the world, Mary Magdalene was sent. And not only again sent, but sent first. When Jesus sent his followers to tell others about the resurrected Christ, who he was, Mary Magdalene had pride of place. Mary Magdalene. In the early church, an apostle was somebody who had seen the risen Lord and who had been sent. She had been called. She had been sent. Now if you choose to follow the series The Chosen, you will likely discover, not far into watching it, that one of the themes of The Chosen is that God chose his followers not because of who they were, but in spite of who they were. That's a theme that runs not only through the Chosen series. It's a theme that runs through our 66 sacred texts, Genesis to Revelation. As you get into the Chosen, if you watch that, you'll see a couple of the people in, among the Jesus followers, among that group in the disciples. For example, you'll see Matthew as one of the first Jesus followers in the series, Matthew looks like he's so young that his mother must have driven him to work, if you know what I mean. I mean really, really young looking. He was a tax collector. Less of an IRS worker and much more of an, a mob enforcer. Not only did he collect taxes for the Roman government, which he did, but then he was allowed to squeeze out of the powerless whatever more he can get for himself. Man, those people were hated. For good reason. That's Matthew. And and again, when you, when you see the series, if you choose to do that, or when you read your own study of, of the disciples, you'll, you'll come across something, a person named Peter. Peter as well. Peter was a Jesus follower. <laughs> uh, there's a real nut job, Peter, of... Simon Peter fame. If Simon Peter had a business card to hand out, it would have said something like this. Simon Peter, vice president of doing something. Because that's kind of what he did. Always always running around, running off his mouth. He's one of these guys that we, we would characterize as ready, fire, aim. You've heard that sort of thing. Kind of a walking advertisement for Red Bull. Man, he was just whacked out. Yo, Simon, Peter, sit down already, button your beak. It's kind of what Jesus had to do sometimes. Quite a group, quite a group. Jesus' followers, they were called. The book of Acts. People of the way. People of the way. Many of them were nobodies. The ones we call the last, the lost, the lonely, the left out, and the little ones Lots of those. But then there were also the somebodies. The influencers. The ones who made things happen. The people of means. The mission supporters like Mary Magdalene. And then there was a whole bunch of folks in between those two poles. And they were all followers of Jesus Christ. Lots of folks. Again, a theme of this series, and certainly a theme also of the New Testament, is that when it comes to the call to follow Jesus Christ, it's just about all about God and only a small, small bit about those called, including us, including us. Today, this Sunday, this weekend, we are one week past Easter on the Christian calendar if we were to wind back the calendar we'd have to understand correctly that Easter begins with Christmas and Christmas begins with a name in the economy of God Joseph and Mary were privileged to birth a child and before he was born The message came to Mary and Joseph from God through an angel. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. No matter how you pronounce it, some people call it Yeshua. It's connected with the Old Testament Joshua. That's a powerful name. It's not just a collection of letters. It's a description not only of who he is, but it's a description of what he does. You shall call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from his sins. Still does. Still does. Back one final time to Mary Magdalene. What do you suppose Mary Magdalene might have written if she'd been asked to write a promotional blurb for the First Christian Church of Jerusalem after Easter? I've seen these kinds of promotional blurbs for churches, and and maybe you have too. Come to First Christian Church of Jerusalem. If you've got questions, we've got the answers. And then there's a whole litany. Of the wonderful things that a church has, and a lot of things that church does, and, and all that sort of things that all the sort of things that that normally go in a promotional brochure. Would Mary have written that? I don't think so. I do believe that Mary of Magdalene would have written something profoundly different. I think she would have written something like the following, and let me customize it for us this morning. Welcome to Emmanuel Lutheran Church. We're not perfect, we're just forgiven. If you do find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll just ruin it. Here at Emmanuel, huh, here at Emmanuel, We're a group of Jesus followers who are about as screwed up as anybody else in your network of friends and relatives. Some of us are put-together people. Some of us are train wrecks. Some of us are whole in body, soul, and spirit. Some of us, like Mary Magdalene, are wrestling with our own demons. Some of us in our life have made mostly good decisions. Some of us have walked on the dark side of the forest. But we believe that we have been chosen by an awesome and grace-giving God who invites us to walk with him into an Easter future. We're on the way. We know where we're headed and we're led by a spirit who shines light on our path. We believe that you also are chosen. We would love to have you join us on the journey. Friends, I'd link up with a church like that. Absolutely would. For God's call to Mary Magdalene, for her becoming a somebody when she was a nobody, for God's call to each one of us, choosing us, calling us yes by name, for the blessings of 2,000 years of people who have confessed the name of Jesus Christ, and for the blessings this morning we enjoy, without number or measure, and so and for so much more, this morning we say, thanks, thanks, and thanks be to God. Amen. We are privileged now to hear from Reagan and Jacob, a couple of God's children, chosen and called as they explain their faith in their faith statements. Reagan and Jacob.